Hello, welcome to the Abiding Marriage Podcast. I'm Sean Solberg. And I'm Glenn Solberg, her husband. So glad you could join us for today's episode. You know, when couples are asked about the main reasons they choose to divorce, you know, a high percentage of them cite problems with money, either near or at the top of their reasons. You know, money has a way of causing divisions in relationships, and, and certainly marriage is no exception to that. Here's a quote. 70% of couples argue about money. 57% of divorced couples point to arguments about money as the reason for their divorce. Fights over money are one of the leading predictors of future divorce. So we want you and your spouse to have a firm foundation in what God says about money and finances, and then be a good steward of all that he has given you, financially and otherwise. Mm. And this will require work for both of you, both in the way that you think about money and in the ways that you handle your money as well. Mm-hmm. So, so please stay with us to hear more. And as always, thanks for joining us today on this journey of marriage. whether or not you and your spouse are on the same foundation with how you view money and possessions, that that topic is certainly a challenging one for many, many couples. I like to say in many marriages, a spender marries a saver. (laughs) And and so there'll naturally be differences in how that husband and wife want to view and deal with their finances. But as Christ followers, we should not rely only on our own human wisdom or even financial expertise to guide our decisions on money and possessions. But rather, we should make it a priority to know what the Bible says about it. Mm. The Bible actually has a lot to say (laughs) about money and possessions. Even Jesus himself spoke many times about these topics as well. So the first part of our podcast today is going to be a lot of scripture that we hope it can help you and your spouse lay or continue to lay mm. that biblical foundation for what you believe and how you use your money and possessions. You know, and because we want the scripture to speak to you, not, not Glenn and Sean's opinions, we, we want to put our comments aside really and focus on reading and listening to the scripture and really believing the Lord will use it to challenge and encourage you and your spouse in really five areas. Um, and, and we're going to share those five areas as we go along. The first of those areas is God is the owner and we are his money and possession managers. Again, God is the owner and we are his money and possession managers. People, people sometimes use the word God's steward. So God's steward, God's money managers, same, same thing. Here's the, here's the verses, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 24, 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it on the ocean depths. Deuteronomy 8:18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Matthew six nineteen and 21. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. 
Store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. You know, Ron Blue shared this true statement. He said, every spending decision is a spiritual decision as we manage God's money and possessions. Now, the second area is that gratitude and humility must be our foundation. So here are the scriptures for this area. James 1, 17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Then 1 Corinthians 4, 7. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? Mm. And if everything you have is from God, then why boast as though it were not a gift? Romans eight thirty two. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So in addition to God being the owner and we being his money managers, and in addition to gratitude and humility as our foundation, the the third area is that we have to guard against greed because our heart follows our money. Again, we have to guard against greed because our heart follows our money. Luke 12, 15 says, Then he said to them, Watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. And finally, Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So here's a quote on what we, we've heard termed the scarcity mindset. And here's the quote. God's resources have no limit, yet we often find ourselves with a scarcity mindset. A scarcity mindset is simply fearing that there are not enough resources available, whether it be money, time, opportunities, or success. While it's understandable to be concerned about our resources, a scarcity mindset hinders our ability to thrive and follow God's design for money, especially in the area of generosity. So as we speak of generosity, that goes into our fourth area, which is give generously of your time, talent, and treasure. First scripture is Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. In mm-hmm. Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly Mm. or under compulsion, 
for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And then Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Mm. I just got to go back to one of the verses Sean just shared. It is so good and it's easy to miss. In 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8, the end of that says, And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. There's a lot of alls in there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So just want to point that out and remind you, this is, this is our generous God. This is our mm-hmm. giving God. This is our loving God. This is our providing God. And the fifth area um, is contentment is the key to living as God created us. Again, contentment is the key to living as God created us. Proverbs 30, verses 7 through 9 says, O God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have them before I die. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. And finally, 1 Timothy 6, verses 6-8 says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if you have enough food and clothing, let us be content. And here's a quote on that. You know, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. Now, we could spend more time during this episode talking about the vital importance of both understanding and living out what God says about money and possessions. But there are some great Christian ministries Mm -hmm. and resources already out there to help you and your spouse grow in this area. So we're going to mention two of those here, and we'll share the links to these along with some other resources to help you in the show notes. The first one is Compass Ministries. And you can find them at compass1.org. Compass is um, a ministry that provides a bunch of free resources to help you no matter where you are on Mm. your journey of managing Mm -hmm. all that God has given you. And they also have paid resources that you can purchase from them as well. And then the other one is Dave Ramsey and Ramsey Solutions. You can find them at ramseysolutions.com. And they're probably best known for their program called Financial Peace University, which is Mm. a really helpful resource for helping you and Mm. your spouse to be wise managers of all that God's given you. But they also have some free tools that you can use on their site as well. And again, these links will be in the show notes. You know, as Christ followers, one of the most important areas that we can grow in is truly trusting God to provide for our needs. You know, I know in Christian circles, we'd all agree that God's our provider and he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, you you hear those things a lot in Christian circles. 
But, but I think if we could all really be honest, there are times when we tend to doubt God's provision, especially if we've been waiting for something for an extended period of time. And, and I'm not just talking about financial needs, right? Certainly we need to trust God for, for those kind of needs, and He will provide for those needs, right? But, but I'm also talking about trusting Him in other areas as well, such as, such as the area of our health. You know, over the last few months, Sean and I have been praying more in this area for God's wisdom to know to have, how to really handle some health issues that we've faced recently. And, and we believe we've seen God bring provision in the area of wisdom and direction for our health. And we're really yes. thankful for that, right? Or, or how about the area of family relationships? You know, we have to pray for and believe in God's ability to help us know how to navigate those relationships. You know, right now I have a strained relationship with a close family member that I'm praying for and asking God for direction and wisdom about. And although right now I'm not seeing any visible signs of improvement in that relationship, I'm still trusting that God hears my prayers and will provide me not only the wisdom but opportunities to help that relationship grow. So as we've shared about a few areas of life that we may be tempted to worry about that what, what's going to happen, mm-hmm. let's look at two um, key scriptures that's going to remind us of God's provision for us. Matthew six twenty five through 33 says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more mm. than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they mm. are? Mm. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And then Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So again, those two scriptures that, that Sean just read are Matthew six twenty five to 33 and Romans eight thirty two. You know, and since we're on the topic of money and possessions, and since we just touched on the importance of believing in God's provision for our needs, we, we also want to spend a few minutes warning you about a false theology of money possessions and, and you'll likely run into it somewhere on your journey of following Christ. Um, you know, this message has been ascribed many names, such as name it and claim it gospel, the blab it and grab it gospel, the health and wellness gospel, the prosperity gospel. It's got all those names. But no matter what name is used, the essence of the message is the same. 
Simply put, the prosperity gospel teaches us that God wants all believers to be physically healthy, materially wealthy, and personally happy. And while we do see God himself as a generous and loving father, absolutely, the scripture does not teach that God wants everyone to live a life on this earth with no sickness and no challenges with finances and no sorrows or difficulties. Sin does exist in our mm, world. Mm. So this is really a man-centered view of God and the Bible, and it is very damaging to those who hear it and act on it because they're acting on a false teaching and then feel that God didn't hold up to his part of the bargain, even though he has nothing to do with this self-focused teaching. Randy Alcorn says it this way, The health and wealth gospel dishonors Christ, since any gospel that is more true in America than China is not the true gospel. Prosperity theology is built on a half-truth. God often does prosper givers materially, but he won't let us treat him like a no-lose slot machine or a cosmic genie who does our Mm. bidding. Giving is a sacrifice, and sometimes we will feel that sacrifice. God's payoff is very real, but it comes at the proper time, which may not be today or tomorrow, but Mm. in eternity. That's good. So if you would like to know more about how to avoid being sucked into this prosperity gospel, check out our show notes for a couple of free online resources that will help you. You know, Sean and I talked about the podcast and wanted to really share some simple yet practical things that helped us manage our money and possessions. Um, And these are things that any husband wife, any husband or wife can really choose to do. And here's the first one. And, it, and it's the idea of moving towards first fruits giving. Again, moving towards first fruits giving. This simply means giving God his share first, right? When you get paid, the first thing you do is give your tithe or whatever portion you're choosing to give to the Lord and his kingdom. You don't wait to see if you have enough to give your tithe or offering. You give it in expectation of God allowing you to live on that money that you have remaining. You know, we, we've seen the Lord provide over and over when on paper, it seemed like there's no way this is going to work out. We believe that God can do much more with the 90% than we can with the 100%. And now the second practical idea is to avoid the temptation to keep your finances separate. It's tempting for many couples to keep their money separate. You know, the husband puts his pay in his account Mm -hmm. and the wife puts hers in her account. And then they divide up their bills. And while we know there are reasons why Mm. people would rather do this, we believe that when you become one in marriage, you really should include your finances in that as well. So learn to work together and trust God with the money that you both have. In counseling couples, we've seen separate finances cause ongoing Mm, problems mm, for for many, many couples. Mm, mm. This is another area where we need to trust God to help us navigate this as a couple and with wise counsel from other Christ followers. You know, the third practical thing is what we call the 24-hour overnight guideline. This is really just a wise guideline that when it's practiced can really help you and your spouse make wise decisions on bigger purchases. Uh, 
And, and what this means is really it simply means waiting at least overnight or preferably 24 hours before making a decision on purchasing a more expensive item. Maybe it's a vehicle or a home furniture purchase or a vacation trip. You know, taking time to sleep on it often helps us avoid kind of the impulse buyer thing. It also gives us time to pray about that purchase and, and whether that purchase is wise or not or, or whether the timing's right or not. You know, sometimes the Lord may not care whether you make that purchase or not, but be willing to bring it to Him anyway and show the surrender of your will and spending the money that He has given you. And another area is the financial limit agreement. This is similar to the one we just shared on waiting 24 hours. So we suggest couples set a limit to what you're able to spend without both of you needing to kind of know about the purchase and approve the purchase is mm-hmm. going to be okay for you. Um, for each couple, this limit's going to be different, but it is important that both of you honor this agreement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, It's not about control as much as it is about God making you one together. So you can come together and talk about a purchase above the limit and believe God can get you mm-hmm. both on the same page on whether this is something that's wise or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next practical thing is what we call the neglected bucket. <laughs> you know, when our kids were little, we gave them a bank, and that bank had three sections in it. One was for spending, one was for saving, and one was for giving. And this, of course, was to teach them that, that any money they received, they had three ways of using that money. Well, many couples we talk to don't prioritize the savings bucket, right? The wise couple prepares for unexpected expenses that we all face in life. You know, a job loss, personal medical issues, major auto repairs, or or maybe caring for an ill parent or a family member. You know, the Bible in many places talks about the importance of saving. And we want to encourage you to make sure you have savings to help offset those unexpected expenses. You know, too many couples are living paycheck to paycheck. You know, Dave Ramsey has some great steps on this that he calls the baby steps. We'll put a link in our show notes. But but please, as a couple, make a commitment to save so you don't have to go into debt for those unexpected expenses that we all have. Mm-hmm. And next, talk regularly about money as a couple. Although one spouse often handles most of the day-to-day finances, you still need to talk about the state Mm -hmm. of your finances regularly, Mm -hmm. not just when there's a problem. So each of you has a part to play on being a manager of all God has given you. Normally for most women, it's about security, Mm -hmm. knowing that God is providing enough to feed your family and have the rent or mortgage paid each month. Mm So talking together about your finances is an opportunity to recognize areas where maybe you're not being a good steward, but it's also a time to thank the Lord for his provision for your needs and maybe even some of your wants as Mm. well. And as part of regularly talking about your finances, be sure to also dream together. Set aside a time to help lay out short-term goals as well as some longer-term goals. And be sure to celebrate together when you set and meet those Mm, financial goals. For sure. No matter how large or small they might be. Mm, Yeah, that dreaming together is really important thing Mm -hmm. to do as you talk about money. It's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day finances and not really think about the longer term. 
Right. So. Money doesn't have to just be about responsibility. There can mm. be some fun involved. Yes. <laughs> I can hear my wife saying that right fun. now. So. Fun. <laughs> Uh, the, the next practical one is the freedom of what we call funny money. Yes, it's fun. <laughs> funny, not fun money, funny money. <laughs> you know, this is something we implemented several years ago in our marriage, and it's really been good for both of us. You know, funny money, as we call it, is really an agreed upon amount of money allocated separately each month to the husband and wife, and they could choose to spend it as they wish without needing it, like categorize it, Right. You might choose to spend it on yourself. You might save it. You might give it away. You might buy something for someone else that, that that's not in the normal budget. You know, in the days when our budget was really tight, and there were a lot of years like that, yes, there was. <laughs> we had to say no to a lot of things. And this was really freeing to know that we had a little money we could spend on ourselves, on our kids, on a friend. And we didn't have to worry about it kind of hurting the budget or, or wrecking the budget, right? So how much money you put in your funny money category really depend on your overall financial situation. There are many times that your budget is really tight and you can't budget much and it might be 20 bucks for each of you, and that's okay. The point is to remain good stewards of God's giving you in all the areas that you're spending. Right. And now this last one is the one that we feel is the most important one if you can only remember one of them Mm -hmm. this would be it absolutely (laughs) and that is praying together about your finances Mm -hmm. so as we stated at the beginning of today's episode finances can be a very divisive issue for many couples even moving them toward ending their marriage so praying together for unity in financial matters is not optional it needs to be essential. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, we're not just talking about praying for financial needs that you have. That's certainly a needed part mm-hmm. of this prayer together, but it's not the only one. In addition to praying for your needs, we highly recommend that you start off your prayer time simply by thanking God for his current provision for you. As Christ followers, we should be the most grateful people on the planet. But in addition to praying for needs and giving thanks to God for his provision, the final area we want to encourage you to focus on is in asking for wisdom. We need wisdom Mm, in all areas of our life. But since the Bible has so much to say about money and possessions, we need to understand how desperately we need God's wisdom to guide us. Again, if there's anything we want you to remember from this practical section, let it be to be praying together. Thank the Lord for his provision. Seek his wisdom to guide you and pray for your needs Mm. while trusting that he Mm. knows exactly what that is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to wrap up with a couple of scriptures and a quote. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9 verses 10 and 11 says, For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. And the next is 1 Timothy 6. 17 through 19. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, 
which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Mm, Yeah, that's good. And here's a quote uh, by Paul Tripp. The money the Lord provides for us is a means of making his invisible generosity visible. May God, in faithful grace, continue to liberate us from the bondage to us, and in so doing, liberate our wallets, I'm sorry, our wallets, from their bondage to self-focus, freeing us with our money to represent our generous Savior well. Great quote. So let me pray. Lord, um, it's just so true what we just talked about. We, we, we so need your wisdom and you have so much to say about money and possessions. Obviously, there's things that you want us to know and put into practice. And so, Lord, help us, help every husband and wife listening, uh, help my wife and I, Lord, to be good money managers of all you've given us. Remember that you are the owner and we are the managers. Lord, help us to be generous. Um, Lord, and in all this, Lord, help us to be grateful, Lord, for all you provided and all you will provide and your greatest gift of sending your son for our greatest need. Thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Abiding Marriage Podcast. We are so thankful for you, and we hope the material you heard today will be helpful for you and your spouse as you apply it, because our hope, as always, is to help as many couples as we can to grow and to thrive in their relationship with each other and with the Lord. So thank you for being here and for also sharing this with others that you might know. Mm -hmm. Really, yeah, thanks for being here. We hope you'll come back for another episode. God bless y'all. Bye.